Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Two Sport Town, our NFL podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson alongside the great Jim Thomas and JT. I got to tell you, I'm jacked up today. It's linebacker day here on the podcast. You you want to hit somebody? You you, you want to hit a tackling dummy or whatever? You want to sha- you want to shave your head, <laughs> get out there and just and just uh, and just destroy a tackling dummy, don't you? As the man who once held the single season tackle record at Smith Cotton High School in Sedalia, Missouri, I cannot be any more jacked up than I am today. It's linebacker day, man. We're gonna talk with uh, we're gonna talk the retirement of James Laurinaitis, one of our favorite players, one of a one of the greatest Rams, an ambassador for a team that that oftentimes did not play very well, but he was couldn't have been more stand up. And we got to know him and love him here in St. Louis. He's stepping away from the game, and also catch up with a guy who's trying to get in the game. Connor Harris, uh, the great Lindenwood linebacker, who is uh, open to the eyes of NFL teams. Um, he's been able to to go to the Senior Bowl. He's been able to go to the Combine and just had a pro day recently in Kansas City. We're going to catch up with him on the podcast as well as he tries to uh, hear his name called, not on draft night probably, but in the days that, that come to follow in the draft. And uh, I think he's got a chance, right? I mean, you wrote a, you've wrote you written a few stories about him, mm-hmm. and uh, and you think that uh, the way he tested at the Combine, that he might uh, that he might get a shot. Yeah, I would say pro- almost certainly day three, which is rounds four through seven. And if he doesn't get drafted, I'm, I'm sure the phone will be ringing. It actually starts in the seventh round. Well, they, it's very competitive to get these undrafted uh, uh, rookie free agents. Uh, I'm sure he will be in high demand. Uh, speaking of linebackers, and we've had a couple here on, on, on the show in our past episodes, uh, Michael Jones, who made, made some kind of tackle of, of note. And there was a fellow named London Fletcher who was five foot nine and a half. He was undrafted, former Division I point guard for, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, St. Francis in Pennsylvania before he switched to John Carroll and played football. He was undrafted, and he lasted, I think, 18 seasons in the NFL. He turned out okay. They yeah. said he was too short, which is what some of the critics of, uh, of our buddy Connor Harris say as well, so maybe we can help dispel that. Yeah, so it'll be great to talk to him, but before we even get going on Laurenitis, Ben Fred, what single season tackling <laughs> record? Are well, you I kind of sh- just, sure just want to drop that in there. Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah. How, how many tackles? Not that you're keeping track. 130, 130 plus for Smith Cotton. Yeah, man. Wait a minute, they have a good program. How did you end up starting in tackling? Well, you know, you process. Uh, good, we had, huh? there were some suspensions, and eventually worked my way up to the uh, to the top. There, I had to had to uh, have some other guys weed themselves out, but I eventually got up there. It took me about four years. No, no. It was uh, it was fun. I've had a blast. I loved football. I don't think I'd be the person I am today without without playing it. And uh, you know, linebacker was a spot where they put me because I I would at least run up there and stick my head in something. I wasn't fast. There you go. And uh, I certainly couldn't well, did you cover play the anybody. Mic? Were you the middle back? Yeah, eventually oh! by the time I was done. But yeah, it was mostly just yeah. because I was willing to see an open hole and run into it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I wasn't. I certainly wasn't fast enough to to cover anybody or uh, or or deceptive enough to run the ball at all so they just said just run when, when the hole opens up just run in there so, so i said i can do that not only is this an episode of linebackers it's an episode of linebackers who set records <laughs> ben frederickson single season tackling record for sedalia smith cotton james laurinaitis retiring career record holder rams career record holder for tackles and then we're going to get to connor harris who has won every record 
and award under the sun for a division right. two linebacker. And all division record, yes. all division, division one, one double A, whatever they call them now, and and uh, uh, division two playing in the, in the very good at division two, but the MI double A that what is it the Mid America Collegiate Conference? It's it's called the SEC of Division two and Northwest Missouri State, which I believe might have recruited. Uh, uh, recruited Connor Harris is plays the role of the Alabama <laughs> of the the Division Two version of SEC. Northwest Missouri State seems like they win the title uh, just about every year. But James Laurinaitis uh, last week announces his retirement, and not really a surprise, uh, Ben Fred. I had heard actually. I guess I can give full disclosure now. Near the end of the season, it might have even been after the regular season. And before the playoffs, uh, Chris Long told me in an interview, uh, and and this was off the record at the time, that he thought that James Laurinaitis was thinking about retiring. And uh, at the Super Bowl, I'd heard that he'd pretty much made up his mind. Well, his agent, Tom Condon of CAA, one of the, the biggest agents that there there is in the, in the world of football. CAA was based in Clayton for years. It's now based in Nashville. He told James, just wait, make sure, think about it. Well, but the, the Super Bowl ended, the combine comes and goes, the, the off-season conditioning program started around the league this week and uh, a, a little bit the, the, the week before, and he, he finally decided to make it official. I guess he got the uh, a little bit of the uh, what if when when Greg Williams got got a new job, um, mm-hmm. and, and you you wrote about the, the one of the factors in this. Um, you had the story in the Post Dispatch was this knee injury that you know. Oh, by the way, dated back to the time he was playing with the uh, with the Rams. How much of a factor was this knee? It sounds like it was a uh, it was a real problem for him late in his career. Getting and it he, drained repeatedly, and not, nothing much you can do to fix it. You just have to kind of treat of, uh, it. Yeah, injections of gel to try to lubricate it. When, when, as he pointed out, there's not a whole lot, and and there there are some some real high tech advanced like proce- surgical procedures you can do. But uh, uh, I think to to do that and be able to play at that the high level that you have to play to be a, a middle linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Probably wasn't a go for James Laurinaitis, but you know we're around the team every day. You get the injury reports. You, you know the players generally will talk a little bit about injuries, and it's it's not like uh, James Laurinaitis was uh, deceiving us. But you know he would pop up the last couple of years, fourteen and fifteen, occasionally as knee on the injury report. I had no idea it was this bad. He didn't really talk about it to much of an extent, and. Uh, uh, it, it was a problem, and, and it, it kind of puts the puzzle pieces together because as much as I like James as a person and as a player, you watched him play those last couple of years in St. Louis, and it just looked like he wasn't moving quite as well. His instincts were as good as ever. You'd see him in coverage, and he'd be right there. He'd know where to be, where to go. How to, how to shadow the guy, but he, he would just be a step or two short. And I think that that knee prevented him from doing what he wanted to do. And I know there were some critics that, sure. that were tough on him, yes. especially near the end. And now we know now we know why. Uh, the knee was a major price. It, it would hurt him walking down the stairs. Uh, if, it hurts, he had, if he hurts walking down your stairs, it's going to slow you down in, the, in an NFL game, that's for sure. Yeah, and it affected his off-season training. And, right. I, and I've always said these NFL players, the only way you improve 
is during the off season because once even training camp starts, you're it's trying too to maintain. Late. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to maintain and you're trying to work on the season, and it really affected what he could do, uh, weight wise, running wise, uh, in terms of drills in the off season, and it hurt in strengthening strengthening the muscles around the knees. So he goes to New Orleans. He played pretty well the first couple of games. I remember the game three, Atlanta Monday night. The first half of the first quarter, he's flying around. He had like six tackles. And then all of a sudden, it, he just he was moving real slow. There was no one incident where he looked like he got hurt, but that's where he had the uh, the pull quad muscle on the same leg, the right leg, the right knee, and probably a direct result of not being able to train and build up those muscles around the knee. And he just wasn't moving well. And that turned out, that game three, he finished the game. You know, James Laurinaitis, you've got to drag him off, off the field. So that those were his last reps at middle linebacker in the NFL. He sat out a couple of weeks. He came back, played a couple of uh, games just where he played special teams a few plays. I saw the Saints play Kansas City at Arrowhead uh, a couple of weeks later, and he didn't start. And he just played special teams. And I, I talked to him. I did a story uh, coming uh, after that game out of the locker room with uh, with James Laurinaitis. And it was just weird to see him standing on the sidelines, you know, holding his helmet, having his helmet off, pacing, 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 get a drink of water, just the whole game without him. Because he was a guy, I would say in his seven seasons in St. Louis, maybe, maybe he missed at least the first six seasons, maybe – just 20 plays. He never left the field. Well, that's that's what I wanted to ask you about. And I know that, you know, obviously as he got older, um, he lost a step clearly and it eventually, you know, we learned more about why. And also the fact that he was just, you know, getting up there and had logged a lot of miles on that on that body. But what about him in his prime? I mean, let's to, for people who maybe, you know, have forgotten or, or let the last couple of years cloud what he was, what was he at his best? Because you covered every game, mm-hmm. and he was one of the longest tenured members of that team, along with uh, with Long. Who was? Uh, what was he at? What was James at his best when he was when he was fully healthy and and leading the way for that defense? Well, he led the team in tackles the first four years he was here, and and a bunch of tackles. And I would say he was a very good linebacker. D- did he ever play at a Pro Bowl level? Maybe close a couple years, but 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 not not quite. But he he was a great college player, an outstanding college player, a, a, a three-time All-American, which I believe Connor Harris of Lindenwood was a three-time Small College All-American. So it's three-time All-American Day, except I guess you weren't a three-time. Were you All-Conference? Did you? I make was. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. what, what was that conference? That was the uh, Western. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, it doesn't matter. Western Athletic Conference. I think it's no, changed. That was the you no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Western no. Plains. There you go. Something that, like that. Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I can see buffaloes in the distance. Yeah. yeah I think it's Western been disbanded Plains. since then. Really? Yeah. So, but but anyway, he, he was a fantastic college player. <laughs> Didn't quite have the pro career, but he still had a good career, and he was good. He was active. He was always around, smart. Even when his play started to slow down in large part because of the knee injury, he was a quarterback on defense. And I once had uh, Chuck uh, Cecil, the, the, the uh, 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 secondary coach, take me uh, into the film room, and he was showing me some tape about something. Actually, he was, again, full disclosure, he was complaining about something I wrote in a nice way. But in the course of showing me this, he showed in intricate detail a play where uh, James Laurinaitis checked them out of what would have been a bad 
alignment and what would have led to a huge gain and change the formation just in those few seconds before the ball is snapped where you're both kind of staring each other down uh, on each side of the line of scrimmage. I'm trying to picture now Ben Fredrickson staring down an opposing team. No, come on. Team. Who did you play? Who was the big rival? Warrensburg and staring Marshall. Staring down Warrensburg. Yeah. Who, was, who was their quarterback? You oh, I don't that? remember. No. No. Staring down the Warrensburg quarterback. But anyway, and he got him out of a he got him out of a bad play, changed the formation, and it turned out to be a key play like a you know four-yard loss or whatever. He did that constantly, and that kind of stuff. Uh, very underrated and hard even for the, the beat writer, the guy that's there all the time to realize what's happening. Now, did he have the big, uh, I'm going to knock your head off plays like a, like a Ray Lewis or even a, a London Fletcher? No, he didn't have that. But very active, and he was, he was very good in coverage, very good in coverage. Uh, he, he, he never left the field. He would have a lot of pass breakups, and so he was, uh, he was a fun guy to watch. And, you know, you look at him. And Chris Long, and uh, he left a couple years earlier, but Steven Jackson, all very good players that were faces of some of the worst football uh, really in the entire history of the Rams franchise, certainly during their time in St. Louis. They, they were the faces of the franchise, but they were all, they were all class acts. They, I, I think St. Louis appreciated how all of them handled their business. St. Louis loves its sports figures, especially its sports heroes and Maybe it's a stretch to call Chris Long, James Laurinaitis, and Steven Jackson heroes, but they represented St. Louis well on and off the field, and I think that's always been very important to the St. Louis sports fan, whether it's hockey, whether it's uh, baseball or football. Well, it's hard to stand in front of your locker after so many losses and keep putting more and more blame on yourself, and that's all that Chris and James ever did. And, and, and took even, shots and even at Stephen Jackson. Yeah. yeah, and and I wasn't you know I wasn't here to cover Stephen Jackson, but I covered both Chris and and James, and and uh, you know that's what they that's what they always did. It was never a shot at the offense, which was oftentimes underperforming while the defense played great. Mm-hmm. It was never the shot at the at the inept coaching, which which happened quite often. It was never a shot at the owner who spent the last season not caring whether the team hoping actually the oh. team would lose to make it easier really, to be. as we now know probably spent the last three years in st right. louis worrying about building a stadium in california rather and I, than and what I, was happening in st louis and i also say this chris and james both during that last year where there were so many questions of is the team moving and so many people said well i can't worry about that and that was it those two guys went out of their way to tell st louis fans look this isn't ideal, and there's nothing we can do about it, but we want you guys to know that we care about you. For everyone who does still come out to the games, we appreciate it. And uh, and it was sincere. I mean, it really it really did bother those guys to see the way things ended here um, because they'd spent their careers here and they had that relationship with the fans. That wasn't lip service. That was truth. And if you saw them when they said it, they meant it. Um, I think that I think that means a lot, and uh, you know, I think that's something that resonated, and I think fans will remember them fondly for it. My prediction, I know it's one that you share, is that it won't be too long until we see James Laurinaitis on a TV, whether it's breaking down college football games or NFL games. He's too good. He's too good of a speaker. He's too good on radio. He used to have a radio show here in uh, here in St. Louis. Um, he's too good not to be talking about this game in, 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 in front of a lot of people. I, mean, I don't know if he wants to coach. He could probably be a great coach, but he can break down the game, and he's, he's a likable guy. He's a good-looking man, and he can do a lot of things. They need to get this guy on TV ASAP. I mean, move Tony Romo over and get James in there. 
If Tony Romo can be right away on the first team, I think James Laurinaitis should be above the first team because Laurinaitis is is fantastic. Just a little insight into how the locker room works in season when the players are practicing. There's like a 45-minute open locker room period, and the media goes in and you can talk to the players if they're at their locker stalls. Now, some players, especially the big stars, to to be uh, especially the the quarter the quarterbacks, uh, they only talk after the game or once a week during the week. But 45 minutes, they're there. Some uh, players will not choose to uh, talk to the media, and they'll hide. They'll they'll be in the lunchroom, or they'll they'll go in the weight room, or there there was actually like a players lounge. James Laurinaitis was there every day. Now his big day which Thursday, but if you needed something on Wednesday or needed something on Friday, he was always there by his locker room. But Thursday was a day, and if you covered the team with any degree of regularity, Thursdays with uh, Laurinaitis, were, it was like must-see TV. And he would break down the game in just great detail. And, and, and not just surface-level stuff. He would make more game-planning stuff and strategy without giving away the game plan. He would make it understandable for, for, for the layman. And it was just, I, I, I can't stress enough how, how good he was at that. And for, for, after seeing him do that for several years, we thought, man, this, this is where it is, at, where, where he should be after his playing days are over. Now, he's thought about coaching, but here's the thing. A lot of these players, they, especially in season, their days are so long, so full, so intense. Well, when you become a coach especially an assistant coach, add maybe three, four hours to that day. And if you're an assistant coach, you're not getting paid as much as you did as a player. So he's thought about coaching, but he does want to go into broadcasting. He's going to the NFL has what's called a broadcast boot camp. It's next month, and it's kind of like a three-day seminar where they kind of get an introduction to that. So he's going to that. He, he, he hung out with his buddy, and it turns out to be his neighbor in Nashville, Kirk Herbstreet. How about at, that? The, on the college game day set and also at the uh, West Virginia-Oklahoma game. Ohio in, State in pals. Booth. Yeah, and, and it turns out they, li- they live on the same block in Nashville. <laughs> now, to St. Louisans, let me explain. Well, why is he living in Nashville? His wife uh, is actually Shelly, I believe her name is. She's from Cleveland, but... He got to go. He went to Nashville a lot when Cortland Finnegan was here. Finnegan, who had came came to St. Louis from the Tennessee Titans, and his wife, and they 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 like Nashville. But the only reason he went down this is after he's released by the Rams. There wasn't a suitable training facility for him to train at the high level indoors that he needed, and there was in Nashville. So they rented down there for a while, and then he finally moved there. He uh, he bumped into. Jeff Fisher at the Nashville airport a, a while back at the baggage claim. Could you imagine that? But and so Fisher they, picking up his fishing rods and yeah, uh, yeah, he's been off. Apparently, he's been <laughs> off uh, fishing since he got fired. But but how strange is that? But, but so anyway, uh, yeah, Kirk Herbstreit and uh, James Laurinaitis, a couple of old uh, old Buckeyes. I think Laurinaitis will be great. I hope somebody hires him. He's trying to decide whether college. Are pro, I think he'll be great. He might be a little too biased to cover Ohio State games. He don't want to be that guy, yeah. Yeah, the homer, the Ohio State homer. I, mean, I think maybe start at the NFL or keep him away from those Big Ten games. 
Well, he could he do just, big he can't, 10 he games. He can't contain not, himself. He gets so well, – yeah. he just bleeds red. He, yeah. he, he gets Buckeye but, crazy. Man, you know, the Big Ten Network, they, they do all People kinds of taking shots at Michigan well, and games where Michigan's I, not even I, playing. You'd have to watch him. It's funny because I mentioned to him that, you know, Dan Deardorff maybe could open some doors <laughs> yeah. for you, have some contacts. I said, James, you know, he's doing radio now for Michigan. Dan Deardorff, former guest on Two Sport Town NFL podcast. And he said, yeah, I heard of that. I said, you know, maybe you may have to go in disguise, but maybe you could go up there and watch him do the, see how the radio side works. And you know what Laurinaitis said? He said, no, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Does not want to be in the big house uh, up in Ann Arbor to do a game, un- apparently under any circumstances. He knows his limits. He can play Unless with a busted playing. knee for years, but he knows his limits, and he doesn't want to go to the big house. He knows he would not be uh, received well there. That's 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 funny. I wish him the best. Uh, I appreciate uh you know the way he treated us and uh, and the way he represented St. Louis during his time here. I think he'll be uh, I think he'll be a hit wherever he winds up and uh, and hopefully we can get him on the podcast here sometime. Yeah, that 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 would be great. That would be great to catch up with him on the uh, on the podcast and uh, add to our list of great guests. You know, I, I was I was just thinking the other day we're we're almost thirty in and fans. If even if you uh, if you want to listen to past uh, podcasts, just and, and Ben, Fred, and I are talking about what happened in the season. Just fast-forward that and go to the interviews. Some great interviews over the course of, of this past year. I mean, you think of former former Rams, uh, Aeneas Williams, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Michael Jones, uh, sl- slew uh, high coaches past and present, Gary Kornfeld, uh, who, who retired, and then his replacement, uh, Michael Jones, uh, Dan Deardorff, all kinds of guy. Guys, if, if, if you want stuff on uh, – on uh, the whole relocation mess. We've had all kinds of guests for that. Amy Trask, longtime Oakland Raiders executive. We had Mark Gannis while you were on your hiatus down in, in Florida. I guess he was covering baseball, Gary Harrelson. I don't know, but Mark Gannis, a, a stadium consultant, talked about it. Uh, we've had Kevin Acey of, of, of San Diego on, and we've even had uh, uh, more uh, kind of off-Broadway guests. The River City Raiders uh, president talked about that indoor team. They're, they're the only pro team in town, at least for, for, uh, for football. We even had the Dairy Queen guy who, who, <laughs> who gave away <laughs> Dairy Queens for a dollar yep, yep. when the Rams lost. They sold a lot of cones. We'll, we'll have to we'll – Check up with him, and and of course we had Orlando Pace on. Oh yeah, by the way, the, uh, to a Hall the, of Famer to the, to the Hall of Fame. And last week we had Bob Button uh, talking about the great work of the National Football Foundation, and and also about uh, Bill Bidwell's great gift to the local foundation to help keep their uh, uh, help keep their uh, uh, foundation and, and what they do with youth football going. And of course Bob Wallace, I think he wants your job. Everybody wants your job. Some guy named Bob, Bob Wallace stops by once in a while. Not that big of a deal, but uh, if you're into that, you can you can check out those interviews. And folks, next week we're gonna be we're gonna be all draft as as we set up the draft. We'll we'll highlight some of the big storylines. Uh, we're we're working on a on a good guest for next week, and we'll also highlight some of the local guys. There'll definitely be a St. Louis flavor to this draft, and not just our guest right now, Connor Harris of uh, Lindenwood University. One of my favorite parts of uh, of the Two Sport Town podcast, JT. Not that I don't like talking with you, um, it's okay. But I like bringing in the thanks, bringing thanks. in the guests. You line up a, uh, a murderer's row of guests for the podcast here, and we have another great one today. Connor Harris, the great Lindenwood linebacker, is joining us here on Two Sport Town podcast. He's currently training for the NFL draft. He had a great combine, and uh, and now he's in that, as you like to call it, that hurry up and wait phase. Connor. Thanks for spending some of the time with us. We really appreciate it. How's it going? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I appreciate y'all having me. So you just had your workout today. Uh, what what you do this morning? Uh, I just did a little uh, leg circuit uh, in the weight room at Lindenwood, and then I went on the field and did some field work for about 30 minutes. So uh, just trying to, you know, kick up my cardio a little bit, get ready for um, hopefully NFL camp here in a couple weeks. Did you did you have your, your ex-teammate helping you out today? I did. Yes, I did. He, uh, he's been a big help this, this uh, process since I've been back from the combine. What, what's his name again? Uh, Clint Coons. What, what was the first name? I'm sorry. Clint. Oh, Clint. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Clint Coons. Yep. Yeah. So he will he will share in the in the, in the uh, glory, so to speak, when when you hear your name called during the draft weekend, right? No, he definitely will. And there's a a lot of other uh, former teammates that have helped me, uh, you know, in this process of even past off seasons uh, to get where I'm at. And so I've had a lot of great great help uh, in my journey. You're 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 almost there. You're almost at the finish line. What are you going to do for draft day? Are you going to be out in St. Charles? Are you going to have the wife uh, Marissa and 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 your dog Blitz? Are you going to have a little party, or <laughs> what's going to happen there? Uh, I, I think we're going to go back home to Kansas City, uh, be with our families, and just going to invite a few friends up, and we're just going to be hanging out all day, and uh, you know, waiting for the phone call. So, uh, not not a whole lot going on, but just want to be surrounded by you know the people who have been there. Um, you know, throughout this journey and um, hopefully hoping for, uh, you know, that, that phone call. Connor, you played, at, you played at Lindenwood. Great success there. People locally here um, know know the story and, and know that, you know, you won the, the, the Cliff Harris Award for the for the nation's top small college defender. They see the stats. Um, but you kind of have to uh, open the eyes maybe of some, some NFL teams here, and you've been doing that. You go to the to the combine, and you uh, and you killed it. I mean, tested in, in the top 15 and in all the categories you want to see a linebacker perform well in. Um, do you get the sense that through that, through the pro day that you had with the Chiefs, which I know was a special moment for you, you know, growing up in that area, do you get the sense that mm-hmm. you you put yourself on the radar and said, "Look, it doesn't matter that I played at you know division division two, division three, division four, division five. I can I can be an NFL player." Yeah, for sure. You know, that was one of the things I wanted to do going into the the Senior Bowl, uh, the Combine, and even you know at the local day for the Chiefs is just prove that even though I came from a small school, you know, I can compete with the best of the best and. Uh, you know, I think with the the Senior Bowl and the Combine, um, I think I just I did show that even though it was, you know the short week, um, but I didn't I didn't feel like I, I missed a beat, and you know I hope I opened some eyes that that showed that you know I can play with the best of the best, and um, you know I'm hoping that pays off. What was that uh, local pro day like with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs? It was an awesome opportunity just to you know grow up in Kansas City. You know, go to games growing up, you know, being part of the fans and the crowd and, uh, you know, always dreaming of getting the opportunity to, you know, play for your hometown team and then getting invited uh, to the local day and getting to check out the facility and, you know, get to work in and out. Just get to work out in front of, you know, the coaches and, and scouts. And then, um, you know, it was a, a little surreal moment. Um, but then, you know, when it was all over, it was, it was a quick couple hours, but when it was all over, it was, uh, just something I'm, I'll be able to look back on, you know, forever. And um, this is a very unique and cool opportunity. Connor Harris here, the Lindenwood linebacker, joining us on Two Sport Town. Nice from Lee Summit, Missouri, in suburban Kansas City, about 
10 minutes maybe from from Arrowhead, went to Blue Springs South, right? State champions, Blue Springs South, and then at Linderwood. Yep. Now we have we have Roderick Johnson, the, the tackle from from Florida State. He he's from Hazelwood Central. Brian Hill, the running back from Wyoming, he's from Belleville, Belleville West. Jehu Chesson, the wide receiver from Michigan, he's from Ladue. But in terms of a player in the St. Louis area who actually played in St. Louis, Connor Harris is it. He's carrying the banner of St. Louis into the draft. Now, did you meet? Did you meet uh, Big Red? Did you meet Andy Reid at the pro day? And uh, did you did you share a few words with him? Uh, I did not. Uh, I saw him after when we were eating lunch, and uh, you could tell he was just super busy trying to get back to his office. And you know, it's just I'm definitely you know been been hectic off season for them, just you know evaluating players and whatnot. So. I didn't get a chance to, to talk with him, but I got a chance to talk with some of the position coaches. and um, So, yeah, it was, it was a cool opportunity. Um, very grateful for it. Connor, were the Chiefs your favorite team growing up? Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and still still to this day, they, they definitely are. But hopefully, um, you know, it would be a dream to, to be drafted by them. But if not, then I'll, you know, I'll have a new favorite team. But, yeah, growing up, a uh, huge Chiefs fan and, uh, just like like I said, just love going to the games. Uh, I feel like it's one of the best stadiums to go to with, as far as the atmosphere goes, and great franchise. So yeah, they're definitely my favorite team growing up. A pretty cool moment there to uh, be able to work out for the team you grew up. Uh, I can't even imagine it. kind of I goose, goosebumps. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I do get goosebumps just just uh, thinking about it. Now the local pro day for for those listeners here on the podcast if you're within a 50 mile radius if you grew up within a 50 mile radius of the NFL team you get to go but they've changed the rules this year to kind of broaden the scope uh that you can pick three major colleges in the area of where the school is so the University of Missouri was allowed to send people to the local pro day and uh, Michael Shear our, our old friend Michael Shear who's been on the podcast the Mizzou linebacker recovering from knee surgery he was there did you get to meet him at all uh, uh Connor yeah, I did. Uh, didn't really get to talk to him a whole lot. Um, I saw him there. There's, you know, a lot of a lot of guys from Mizzou, uh, a couple guys from KU and K State. So it was a pretty wide spectrum of, of guys, which was really cool. I think there's about 19 or 20 of us. Uh, so it was cool just to meet those guys and, and get to work out with them. Now, if you if you haven't seen Connor Harris, he's got the kind of the James Laurinaitis crew cut. Chiseled frame, of course, a linebacker made about a million tackles. You got some love from Yahoo Sports last week. I don't know if you if you saw that, Connor, our our our, our friend and colleague Eric Edholm, who who writes for Yahoo Sports, uh, talked about your production, and he said, "I don't care where you're from. You make that many tackles, uh, you can play the game. You made about what three four thousand tackles last year for the Lions, didn't you? It was close to that, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, something like that." Well, he set the all-time uh, division uh, record for, for tackles in a career, 633, according to your story, JT. Four-year starter, 34 tackles for loss, eight-and-a-half sacks, six picks, 20 pass breakups. I'm just looking at this going, you know, we mentioned Michael Shear. I watched that Missouri team a lot. When Michael Shear went down, there was a huge, uh, huge. there was some, some depth problems at, at linebacker. You know, Connor, why, why didn't you end up at a Mizzou or an SEC school or a Big Ten school? What what happened that uh, that all these people missed on you? Because clearly the NFL is paying attention to what you did at Lindenwood. Uh, why wasn't there uh, why wasn't there uh, the recruiting mail coming in into your mailbox when you were in high school? Yeah, so I mean, in high school I played um, free safety, and I kicked and I punted all the way up until my senior year. And 
um, I, I'd say I was kind of a late bloomer. I had a really good senior year, played quarterback, you know, won a state championship. And, um, you know, going to the you know transition in college level, a lot of the coaches were like, you know, we don't know what position you play. I was, you know, 220-pound quarterback and free safety. And so making that transition to college, I was going to have to move the linebacker. And, um, just, you know, they had already offered a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the bigger schools and had a lot of commits and, uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I just wanted to go play football. I wanted to play as much as I could, and you know, I didn't care if it was Division One, Division Two, you know, D one, AA. I just wanted to play. And um, you know, that being said, Linwood popped into the picture, and you know, the coaches were saying, you know, I could come in and compete right away for the spot. Um, and so, you know, that really appealed to me, and just took my visit there, and I was like, you know what, this is this is uh, you know, where I want to be. And uh, I knew if I was good enough, they'd find me. And if not, then I knew I, would, I played as much as I could. And so um, ended up at Lindenwood. Don't regret, you know, one decision at all. It's it's been a blessing. Um, and so that's kind of just kind of my recruiting story in a nutshell. That uh, just some things didn't work out, and I just you know decided to take the smaller route, and, and it's paid off. Well, I think it's a an important message for guys to hear because there are a lot of guys who want to keep playing the game, and it doesn't have to be football, whether it's basketball or baseball, who. You know, if they if they don't get the attention they think they 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 deserve, and they might not they might deserve it, but you know they they still go on and say I want to keep playing because I love the game. I mean, what what's the message to guys who are sitting there, juniors, seniors, and they and they haven't they haven't seen the uh, the recruiting love that some of their teammates have had, and uh, and they're wondering if they if they need to walk away from from the sport. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I would say is find a school that fits you. You know, I think guys especially in high school, they get wrapped up in, you know, they have to go play Division One. You know, that's their goal. And if they don't meet that, then, then they won't go play or, or whatnot. But, um, you know, to me it was finding a school that fit me and, and what I wanted, and that was, um, you know, wanting to play early. Uh, education was, was huge. I wanted to find a, a school that had a criminal justice degree. I knew I wanted to uh, study criminal justice in college and worked out that Linwood had that. So there's a, there's a few things that I wanted – Going into college, that um, there's a few schools that you know I love the football program like Northwest, but you know at the time they didn't have a criminal justice program, um, and I didn't want to go to a school that you know didn't have what I wanted to study because at the end of the day, you know you can play football in the NFL, but if you're playing even for ten years, you're still gonna have to do something after that. So um, I, I would just say my advice would be find a school that fits you and what you want, and um, you know go from there and, and don't get so caught up in you know having to play Division One or Division One AA. There's great football in the smaller divisions, and if you're good enough, they'll find you. When yeah. was the green light that hey, I might be able to, to to actually play in the in the NFL? Was it your first All American, your second All American, your third? I mean, when did you think was it the goal all along, or, or was there kind of a, an eye opening experience during uh, during college? I think you know you always have the dream you know growing up of wanting to play. I don't think it really hit me until until Pierre got drafted, you know, from Linwood. I didn't really know if it was possible. Uh, and then when I saw his attention that he was getting, and you know, I was like, man, I could do this if I, if, you know, I keep having you know, good seasons and keep improving. You know, I can do it. Um, and just seeing, you know, the type of guy he was and how hard he worked, um, I, I knew if I would just continue to do what I was going to do, that it would pay off. But I don't think it really started hitting me till. Um, after my junior day, um, had a good junior day, and I going into the, the fall camp, I got started getting a lot of scouts coming, and then throughout the season, just talking with them and, 
you know, them telling me that they've been liking what they've been seeing and um, just kind of all last year, um, just getting the attention from the NFL, from the scouts and stuff, and then um, the bowl game invite and then the combine invite has kind of just been, um, you know, a blessing just to be able to get those. And I think that's kind of just when it started to hit me. Uh Connor Harris here of Lindenwood referring to his former teammate at Lindenwood, Pierre Desir, Francis Howell Central, I want to say. I know he went to one of the Francis Howells in the NFL, played for Cleveland, now with Seattle. Connor, he's he's been in town, to my understanding, uh, uh, working out before Seattle starts its, uh, its spring uh, practices and spring conditioning program. Have you been able to talk to him? Has he, he given you any advice on this process? Oh, he's been a huge help. And, you know, when I first came back from the combine, I, I saw him, you know, almost every day. He was up working out at Lindenwood, so we would chat, you know, in between workouts and stuff. But uh, just throughout this whole process, I've been, been talking with him, texting him, calling him. Um, and he's been a huge help, giving great advice and just keeping me focused and relaxed. Um, you know, just being able to reach out to someone that's close to you that you played with for two years and that's been through what you're about to go through. Um, it's it's been a huge help, and so he's he's really helped me out just a ton throughout going to the Senior Bowl, the Combine, and, and what to expect, and um, just keeping me focused on on playing my game and not to you know think of it as something that it isn't. And um, he's just been been a huge huge help to me. Now, besides terrorizing uh, opposing offenses for four years, you, you you've also. Uh, punted at Lindenwood, and you also played some Wildcat quarterback. You had mentioned, and when I caught up with you a couple of weeks ago at Lindenwood, you were actually running some routes out of the backfield. You had mentioned Kansas City might work you out at fullback. Did that Did that actually take place? And, and if so, how did that go? Yeah, so they, they ended up uh, having me do some uh, fullback stuff, and what I did was I just went with the running backs and ran some routes and then did some running back drills, and um, it went really well. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't been practicing it. Um, I got the email, you know, just for the schedule of the local day, you know, the Tuesday before I went, and it had me listed as fullback and linebacker. And then, when, you know, when I got there, they're like, you know, we want to work out at both. And so uh, it went really well. You know, I got some great feedback from um, all the coaches. And, you know, I, I'm just trying to be, you know, as versatile as I can you know, to, to open up some eyes that, you know, I can play whatever position they need me to um, and just to help my chances to make a team. Have, have any other teams talked to you about playing fullback? Uh, I had a few teams reach out to me, you know, during the senior bowl and just say, hey, what's your thoughts on this, playing fullback or, or doing whatever. And I'm, I just told them, you know, I want to, you know, help the team out any way I can and I want to be as versatile as I can so it helps my chances of, of making a team, so I'm not picky on what position they want me to play, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to make that decision, so I just want to be as, as open as I can to, you know, helping myself make a roster. Now, in talking with your agent, Buddy Baker, who's out of Indianapolis, have, have other teams shown some interest uh, uh, during the pre-draft? I mean, since, since the Combine. Yeah, he's, he's told me, uh, you know, some teams have reached out to him, gotten some good feedback of just how I performed at the Combine. Um, but you know, it, the draft is just a crazy process and at, at the end of the day, nobody knows, you know, what they're going to do until they do it. So, um, you know, he keeps me, keeps me humbled and, uh, he doesn't tell me a whole lot, which I love because, you know, it just keeps me hungry. It keeps me fighting to, and motivating 
me to just keep, you know, pushing and, um, you know, I'm just, just trying to stay hungry and, and wait for my opportunity. It wasn't too long ago on this podcast that we had uh, London Fletcher on. Turned out to be a pretty good linebacker who uh, who spent a lot of time playing fullback. And somebody, uh, the Raiders of all teams, uh, said, hey, we, we want to work you out at linebacker. It worked out for him. So I think flexibility is a good thing. Oh, and by the way, the only knock on him entering the draft was that he was a uh, he was they said he was too short so uh, I know that uh, I know that's been a knock on you five feet 11 so uh, it can be done man and uh, you spent the past uh, the past few years opening up eyes in a major way winning every award under the sun uh, and uh, and really doing some impressive things so we, we're rooting for you I think st. Louis is uh, is behind you and they're hoping to hear your name called enjoy the enjoy the experience man enjoy the uh, the efforts of your hard work, and uh, and we'll be looking forward to uh, to seeing where you go on draft night. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much. And Connor, when you become a big star, and I want to do the interview with you, don't don't big time me, okay? You're, you're still you're still gonna you're still gonna talk to me, all right? I uh, definitely will. No, I definitely won't worry about you guys. All right, Connor, keep up the hard work, man. We'll catch up with you down the line. All right, thank you very much. That is Connor Harris joining us here on Two Sport Town Podcast. You can follow him in the. Uh, in the draft, you'll, you'll be a name that you can uh, track and a great story to follow. So another great guest here on the podcast, and uh, and, and we'll hopefully uh, keep them coming. JT, well, anything it, else it, before we go? No, it was great to hear from Connor. Best of luck to him. He's an intense young man. He looks like a linebacker. He, he, he looks the part, and, you know, it is a tale, and Connor mentioned it. If you are good enough, they'll find you. And they found it. That's how you can find this podcast. If we're good enough, you'll find us. Uh, you can find us on Google Play Music, on iTunes. Just type in Two Sport Town or at stltoday.com slash NFL podcast. For Jim Thomas, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We'll see you all next time.